0: back because i guess like we sort of have to come back oh this is for the glory casey and we bring you a mix of in-depth kansas city soccer knowledge with a bit of a casual perspective mixed in i'm chad smith associate editor at casey and i'm joined as always by my wife who's going to give us that casual perspective sheena no wrestling nickname again because sporting kansas city can't win games smith sheena what's up
1: Oh hey, Chad. I'm okay. How are you? Um,
0: despite my positive sounding tone, and uh, I'm it's it sucks. This sucks. Nah,
1: it's it no, it really does. I feel exhausted today. Part of it may be we've been doing gardening stuff all weekend, and we went to the draft, so it's been a busy weekend. But I think a lot of it is like I just feel this a loss just adds to my exhaustion.
0: Yes. Was something that we spend so much time on uh, when it doesn't go well, it's super extra draining, but Hey, we have an, a sponsor that I need to get in here real quick. So uh, let's, let's try to make some money. <laughs> 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 All right. Okay. So, uh, Backheeled insights gives MLS fans and betters detailed analysis for every single game powered by the insight proprietary model. Plus, You'll get a full description of every team, including depth charts, scouting reports, stats, and absences. You can get 10% off an annual Inside subscription today. Just go to backheel.com slash fortheglorykc. Once again, that's backheel.com slash fortheglorykc. I got a shorter URL for everybody. Look what I did, Sheena. Things are happening. All right, on today's show, Sporting Kansas City lose again. We may have mentioned that. Dom Dwyer is not signing with the team, although maybe we need to reconsider. <laughs> the Kansas City Current will play Gotham. We'll talk about that. And the digital crawl. Notice I didn't say the current result because uh that's not happened yet. We're gonna record that last chunk of the podcast after the crazy current game. We're recording on a Sunday right now, but let's just get right into it, Sheena. Sporting Kansas City, life is not good. They lost at home two to nothing to CF Montreal. Uh both goals. I don't know if if you felt this way, but I just felt like the the midfield was kind of jogging back on those plays. They didn't cover. The defense got a little bent out of shape. The defense has some some flaws there as well, but it felt like a team effort to give those goals up. It wasn't one individual player, although Robert E. Voleter is the one who got benched at halftime after the goals. So uh, Peter did say he didn't think it was it wasn't related to the first half performance, but it's hard not to think it was. And it's hard to imagine we're going to see Robbie again anytime soon. Just initial thoughts from the game, Sheena.
1: Well, before I get into my thoughts, why do you think we won't see him again anytime soon?
0: No, I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen, but there's just Peter has this trend of somebody does bad and then they go to the bench and it's like, you get to go think about what you did. That said, plenty of players made mistakes on the plays that led to the goals. So I don't know why he should be the one punished. They didn't give up goals in the second half, but to me, it wasn't because Robert Castellanos was like amazing or anything. It's just, that Montreal took their foot off the gas and they were up two nothing.
1: Yeah. Well, my thoughts on the game are in regards to the two goals. I'm struggling to remember the second one. The first one stands out just because there Tamilia was by himself. Like I don't know where anyone else was at, but he was alone on an island and he had some really great saves during the game before the goals. And I just felt like. With as many saves as he was um, having, he was going to have to eventually give some up. Like, it wasn't sustainable for him to continue uh, saving the goals like he was. So I wasn't surprised when Montreal scored. I was surprised they took Voladaire off because Rosero was on a yellow and we're just lucky he didn't get a re- another yellow or a red since that is the trend with our defense. So I was pretty upset about that because that's who I would have picked to come off if I was going to take somebody off. It wasn't like he was playing amazing or anything. I wasn't overly impressed with his skills last night.
0: Yeah, Razero, I saw your tweet that you're like, if he doesn't come off, I'm going to lose my crap or whatever you said. But I don't know. I'm with you in the logic of, yeah, that guy's on a yellow and Valder wasn't on a yellow. And I thought for sure, well, they left him on now. He'll get a second yellow and we'll have three straight games of red cards. And that can be the excuse, but it didn't happen. So I'm not sure. As far as the goals, though, the first one, what I saw, and maybe you can, this will refresh your memory a little bit, is... The ball's coming up the left side of the attack. Jake Davis was playing right back for the first time in a league game. He did play midweek against Tulsa. He steps to challenge the player. The ball is passed in behind him. Rosero steps to challenge that player and he quickly plays it off. Volter steps again to cover for Rosero. And then all of a sudden, Logan and Dembe is all by himself, 2v1. When I watched the replay back, I think it was Jimmy Mack that was sitting next to me that pointed out Eric Tommy just kind of stands there the whole time. And it's his runner that eventually gets the goal and he doesn't track him. And then I was looking at the whole midfield and Espinoza and Voltaire are kind of jogging back, but nobody ever sprinted. And had they sprinted back to cover, I think they could have been there to the play to break the play up. And I think the same thing is true on the next goal. I'll remind you of the the second goal. Uh, The Montreal player, I forget who it was, made an attacking run up the right side this time. Then they played kind of a a diagonal ball back through the box and it just rolled through everybody. Like it literally passed all the defenders and then it gets to the wide player on the left for Montreal. Jake Davis is the last guy there to cover it. So it's kind of an inversion of the first play where it was uh, Ndembé was the last guy left to cover. He tries to throw his body in front of it and it goes by him. He may have even blocked Melia's ability to see it and save it. But if any of the midfielders hustle back, they're there to pick that slow rolling ball up. It wasn't like a hard hit pass back to the top of the box. So it felt like a lack of effort. And it made me wonder... If the team is so bad, and they're obviously bad, 10 games have gone by, they have six, seven losses and three draws and zero wins. Why do the same players keep playing? It's insane to me. Like, how do you put the same guys out there? And Peter did give us a stat at one point about how many different lineups he has. But you, you change one player and that's a different lineup you're leaving on a lot of the guys that aren't playing that impressively. I don't know if he thinks it's the defense's fault. And obviously, they, they have some culpability here, but I, I don't know. It's It's disheartening.
1: I also wonder, because usually Remy is very solid, and I wonder if he's starting to get fatigued. I mean, he came off in the Open Cup on Tuesday, but he's played a full 90 minutes in every single game, and I wonder if that's starting to catch up with him.
0: Yeah, that's a plausible explanation it's a lot to ask for him to to do all the running that he does because to get it slightly technical for just a second here sporting kansas city plays what's called a single pivot in their midfield where if you think of a, a triangle uh, their triangle is upside down the point of the triangle is down and that's where remy's at he's at the point where some teams play what would be called a double pivot in the midfield where we have two midfielders back and at times espinoza has been back next to him or other guys have been next to him maybe felipe a little bit but mostly remy covers a ton of ground back there and it's a lot to cover especially when you know Grimm's, you Grim no offense to him he hasn't played he didn't play in these games he was out again He's not as fast, so Remy's covering that space. He's covering at left back when all these left backs have been hurt or when Ben Sweat was still around or Ballarder, who's playing out of position over there. He's covering for Fontes because he's kind of slow. Makes makes sense. Maybe they've run him into the ground already 10 games in, 11 if you count the Open Cup. He's played almost every single minute if you take out that late late-ish sub where he was replaced by Roger in the open cup. Speaking of Roger started the last two MLS games and played most of, or like half of the game the other day. I don't, I don't know why you're doing this to a guy who's clearly lost a step. He would own that. He's lost a step. He Peter talked about how he can't even make Roger do full practice every day because he, he doesn't want to wear him down. You have other options. If you're Felipe and you don't get into that game last night, you're Cam Duke. You don't get into that game last night and this team can't win you got to think, like, how bad does Peter think I am if he won't put me into these games?
1: Yeah, that's it. It, I will never understand the logic of why Roger was in the full 90 minutes. Like, it really pissed me off that we didn't use all our subs last night. But Roger was also on a yellow, and he's slow, and... I you know I'm shocked he didn't get another yellow just trying to make something happen but again Montreal kind of stepped off the gas once they had the two goals they weren't playing as hard as they were so I think that's the only saving grace on why you know Rosero or Espinosa didn't get another card is they just weren't pushing us hard but yeah I just would be really upset if I were Hernandez especially because it seems like he is the backup to Espinosa and maybe he's not playing to Peter's you know whatever capabilities he Peter thinks he should be playing but honestly nobody on the team is living up to what their potential is right now so I I just go back to a thought we keep saying but I don't I just felt like why aren't you thinking about the future because no offense I love Roger Espinoza. he's not the future and if you don't think Felipe Hernandez is, and maybe this is the problem, is he doesn't think Felipe Hernandez is the future, so you'd rather just give Roger the time. Like and it seems like he ha like he likes Cam Duke even less than he likes Felipe. So I don't know. It's just I, I don't understand it. I'm so baffled
0: yeah this is a baffling season 10 games in, it'd be one thing if it's like oh man they just barely lost this game or that game and they they won this other one and they won another one like if the the veterans were getting results but they're not getting results either and and i don't think it's everybody that's playing poorly i think people have had their moments like when russell scored but the goal was taken away for offside Polito being offside on that final like literally the dying minutes of the game. Russell seems to be giving his all even if he isn't what he once was. And honestly, probably they're all giving their all, but it's not working. Yeah. So, well, obviously they're not all giving their all cuz there's plays where they're loafing and they're not getting back covering. But I think they care and they want to win, but if it's not working, you know, the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results and they're doing the same thing over and over again minus little tweaks here or there. You got you got to try something different. I don't know. So, we a lot of this rolls back to Peter, and I think this is a good time to transition to. As I'm sure you heard, Sheena on the broadcast, that sounds like it was picked up, and I could definitely hear it in the stadium. There was twice where the cauldron broke into chants, one of Vermees out. I don't, I can't remember if it was after the first goal or not. But then distinctly, I remember later in the game. No, it was after the second goal when they started the Vermees out chant, and then later in the game they chanted, "Hey." Vermees, it's all your fault. So <laughs> that made you laugh, huh? Did you like that I did it in the cadence of the Cauldron members that did it?
1: Yeah, well, it's just a, it's a shocking because you just don't hear it with sporting. I mean, I know I've heard it with other teams where they chant, negative stuff and you just don't hear it. And I during the podcast, I could hear something being chanted, I wasn't really sure. And I tweeted it out. And everybody responded with what they were saying. But yeah, it it was a little shocking, but they're not wrong. Like I think every fan who is paying for Apple TV who's paying to go to the games, we all have the right to be pissed off. like this is an embarrassment at this point. So I I'm not mad that they were chanting. I wasn't chanting at home but I was just like, oh, I had moments of like, should I turn this off And if I didn't have a podcast, I probably would have turned it off since you were at the game. but I I held through and now I'm committed to watching every torturous minute of the season.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm committed as well. You know me. I, I would watch till the end no matter what. I think there's one game I ever left and that was that 7-2 loss in LA at oh, the yeah. Galaxy. We left that one because I was just so worn out by it. But I, I'm with you. I'm not upset with anybody. I mean, obviously something needs to change, right? And I don't know if it's going to be Peter. So as the chanting was starting, you know, I tweeted and it, it picks up some steam online. And I'm starting to ask the people I'm sitting around in the press box, hey, are you going to ask about his job? And everybody's kind of being a little wishy-washy. And I was like, I'll do it if you all won't do it. Like we... Well, you got to ask him, right? You got to ask. So I asked, you know, if he heard it and, you know, what his thoughts on it were. And he said he didn't hear the chant which seemed insane to That's me because crazy. he's he's so much closer to it than i am because i was up in the press box and it was from the obviously the caldrons on the complete end of the other end of the field i'm basically just slightly in front of the south stand and if i could hear it way up there i can't imagine he couldn't hear it no that said you remember like when you're in the stand sometimes you can only hear what's right around you and you can't hear other things so maybe but i'm not buying it but <laughs> and if and, the
1: If I could hear, I mean, granted, I couldn't hear something. I just have a hard time believing he didn't hear any of it. I think he heard. I mean, Chad, honestly, if people were chanting something negative about you, would you admit that you heard it? I feel like the natural thing is to be in denial that that's what's actually happening.
0: I don't know. But it was a a technique of his, obviously, to deflect it. And then he basically said, it's unfortunate, is the quote, but it's not up to me. So saying that someone else has to fire him like he's not going to resign cuz i know a lot of people were saying do the honorable thing peter resign and no. you know he just got a 5 year extension i don't know how much coaches are paid we found out recently that greg berhalter is paid like well over a million dollars when he was coaching us soccer so i don't know if coaches salaries in mls are on that same level or not i would think they would be lower than that but who knows so it's a lot to say. Yeah, let me let me just give away all this money and all this power because are you going to get another job? You're definitely not going to get another job where you're, you know, buying the groceries and cooking the dinner, as as Bill Parcells likes to say.
1: Yeah, it feels like to me somebody in the organization, maybe the owners, at this point we are ten losses in. Somebody else needs to speak up and I think at least acknowledge like, hey, we know this isn't the season you the fans like signed up for but you know we're working behind the scenes just something the fact nobody is acknowledging it it kind of makes the fans feel like they're on this island and the owners think everything is like hunky dory when really that's not the truth like we're all pissed off and I think every minute that passes where nobody in the organization outside of Peter Vermees is saying something it's just going to grow to the, like the frustration with the fans is going to continue to grow.
0: I'm with you now on that press conference. We don't usually get people that join via zoom or if they are joining via zoom, they don't say anything, but we had a question on the zoom and they opened up the mic and it was Pablo Maurer. I don't know if you know Pablo. He works for the Love Pablo's writing. He does great stuff. If you've never checked him out, I recommend checking it out, but he basically asked to, something to the effect of, does he feel his job is at stake? And Peter's quote was, I quote, I think when you enter into this business, you got to know your job is always at stake. I've always known that. Never have I thought differently, end quote. So I thought that was interesting that he always thinks his job's at stake. Because I would think, if anything, you feel kind of secure. You're so woven into the fabric of this team from the top to the bottom, roster decisions, the way the academy's been built, like all these decisions, maybe too many decisions are coming up to one person. And I do think he's probably delegating and trusting people to do the day-to-day, minute-to-minute stuff in some of these other departments. But Maybe he's not, and maybe it's gotten too big and it's it's all too much and he and he can't keep up with it. I don't know some something has to change. maybe that's the solution.
1: I also wonder how much truth there is that he feels like his job is always at jeopardy because you got a five year extension to me, a five year extension would mean you're probably okay um so yeah i I think he's too interwoven with the team, and I think that they need. I mean, if they're not going to fire him, they need to take some of the responsibility off his plate and he's not going to get fired. So I guess my question for you is you were Peter Vermees and you know somebody needs to be fired. Who are you firing?
0: I don't see Peter making the decision to get rid of anybody, but I could see maybe the ownership saying we need someone to take the fall here to kind of show that we're, we're serious about this and we're going to do something. But Peter has had the same assistance forever. I feel bad. Is it his assistance fault? Is it players' fault? Do players need to be gone? I mean, Peter's choosing who to put on the field. Peter chose who to sign. To an extent, Brian Bliss has a play in that because he's the technical director and he isn't over that part of the business. But I don't for a second think that Peter doesn't have some say in who is signed or all the say in who is signed. Maybe he gets recommendations, but I would think it's kind of on him. I don't know. I, I think symbolically firing somebody probably doesn't fix things. And... You know what maybe needs to fix things is whatever the players need to get some confidence, because I was told I I wasn't watching the broadcast, but I was told that after the final whistle, people in the stadium were kind of watching and on the broadcast, they were like kind of cutting to the players and they said Johnny Russell stood around for like five to 10 minutes just with this like vacant stare in his eyes. Did you watch that?
1: Yeah, I didn't see all the players. He was the one they focused in on. Um, and it's not that I thought he was going to cry, but like he just looks so defeated. Like I I feel bad for him. I mean, I feel bad for the team in general, because there's a lot of people saying the whole team needs to be fired and we need to start from scratch. And I don't know that I believe that as well because there are some good players on the team and i i think you're probably going to quote johnny russell what he said in the press conference in a moment but it's like they don't know what's wrong like they don't even know how to fix it so it, it it's really baffling because you can't really pinpoint it to one person And players who are typically good, like Johnny Russell or, you know, Remy, he's usually pretty solid, Polito. I mean, I think one thing I tweeted is that when they... Took Eric Tommy off and they brought on Kinda. Like, I was fine k- with Kinda coming on, but you had Kinda on the field, you had Polito on the field, and you had Johnny Russell on the field, and they're all coming back from injuries. And to me, when you're behind, putting people who aren't 100% isn't a winning strategy. So th- I think that's part of the issue. There's just so many issues, but then at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a complete thought <laughs> I don't to know this. Is,
0: the, is the, yeah, a lot of our thoughts here. You, you bring up the sub there for Kenda. I, I was in the same boat. I was fine with Kenda coming on. I thought that Tommy would not come off because honestly, yes, he loafed on defense on a play or two or more. I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch the tape again, but I don't want to because it sucks and I don't yeah. want, to, want to put myself through it. But I will say that I thought he was... More decisive going forward. I thought they were closer to being able to get a goal. They had a lot more kind of half chances, not great chances. Again, my bar for this is all so low because the season's so bad and they didn't score so but I thought you're going for a goal take Roger off who's not going to go up and create an attack he does have the ability to make some good passes from deep but get Kenda in there get Tommy in there let them play together maybe that's a solution I I don't know but it, it felt like you're you know what it felt like to me is that Peter had a plan going into the game I'm gonna play Eric Tommy for 60 minutes and then I'm gonna take him off and I'm gonna play Gotti Kenda for 60 minutes and instead of saying the state of the game doesn't say that this is the right move. He said, nope, this is the preplanned Move and I'm going to stick with it. And Peter, what's the expression? It's his best quality is that he has a plan, and his worst quality is that it is a plan because when it's he plans everything so meticulously, but when things aren't going well, he's not adapting to the situation.
1: I just don't understand in what scenario, even if this is pre planned, the plan is to keep Roger Espinosa in the full 90 minutes. Like he is not a 90 minute player anymore. And that's just yeah. the fact. Like.
0: We've- I agree. We beat that to death. Let's, let's
1: push on. So you said, hold on a sec. There was one other thing I wanted to say is that we haven't talked yet about the missed opportunity with Polito. Well, also Daniel Shallowy, like I've been giving him a lot of hate on the podcast. And like, I would say he had the most passion of the night and he had the most opportunities, but then there was one play where Polito could have, um, you know, tried to score a goal, but instead he passed it. I don't even remember who he passed it to. I don't even
0: think he passed it. I think he mistouched it. So, I've, if you're Go thinking ahead. of the play, I'm thinking of it's there. It was in the second half. It was in they're the attack, box. Yeah, they're attacking towards the cauldron into the field. Shallowy yeah. has a shot. That's a pretty hard shot. The keeper can't gather it, and it falls back to Tommy. Tommy plays a square ball, like straight across the box to Polito, and Polito just mishandles it. So either he. Needs to get a shot off there. Or if he just gets out of the way or does a dummy, Johnny Russell is right there. And Russell probably has a decent chance, whether he puts it in or not. Who knows with the way this team is playing. But the way he curled that shot in at the end of the game, he's clearly still got it in him if he can get open. My problem with Russell this year is like he, he can't beat his defenders. His little moves that he's been doing since 2018, they're not working. Like He's not able to get around guys. And I don't know if that's him still not being fit or him being... I don't know what he is, 33, like attackers aren't like a fine wine. They don't get better with age.
1: It's interesting because when he was out, we were saying the issue is maybe the team is built around all his little moves. But now that he's back and he's trying to do those moves, I just wonder if there's just no creativity on anyone's end. So these teams know exactly what to expect when you go into the game. Like, they know Russell's going to do X, Y, and Z, and they know how to defend it now.
0: Yep, keep him off his left foot, force him to the right. Yep.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a few weeks ago when we talked about Tim Milya when he had that one bad game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Now, speaking of Johnny Russell, you said, hey, I'm I'm probably going to read the quote. So it wasn't from the post-game press conference, so they don't bring players out for the post-game on home games. We go into the locker room afterwards. And we so we were waiting to talk to Johnny. We talked to Gotti first because Gotti was available first. And just it was pretty casual questions just about him being back and, you know, how he felt after playing twice this week and whatnot. But then for Johnny, we waited a long time for him because he was just sitting. Oh, was so sad. It's probably like what y'all were seeing on the broadcast where they were zooming in on him. He has his shirt off. He's turned his chair away from the locker room. He's like leaning into his locker head in hands just for five six, seven minutes like a long time. And honestly, uh the PR people kind of got onto me because I was just talking about how I had the sunburn from the draft and I was being loud, as I am. I mean, that's what I do. And the PR people, they, they didn't get on to me. That's a harsh statement. They just like, hey, uh, you know, bring it down a little bit over here. And then uh Aaron Ladd from TV, oh, I don't know what channel Aaron Ladd's on. He says, yeah, it's kind of like a funeral in here. We probably shouldn't be happy. And I was like, yeah. And I wasn't happy. It was just I was having a conversation being my my regular self. It completely drains me to have this team lose. But eventually we did get to talk to Russell and he opened up with quote, I don't know how you fix it. His quote later continued. I can't understand what's going on, what we are doing, who we've become out there. And it's troubling. That's a problem in itself, not being able to find the answers and find a way out of it. So how demoralized he seemed and how, I mean, obviously they're all wearing it heavily, Polito was, like, sitting on the ground with his head, like, leaned back, like, looking at the sky for answers, the ceiling of the locker room. It was like a a funeral, which is how Aaron described it. And I thought that was a pretty apropos description because it was a team in mourning. A season lost, 10 games in. It's crazy. Like, there's 24 games to go and, like, there doesn't seem to be any hope.
1: No, it's not like each game where, like, oh, there's a glimmer of hope. Like, anytime there's a glimmer of hope, it's like... One step just a little bit forward, and then something later in the game puts you like three steps back. The other part of the quote was John, or I may have been a different quote where Johnny said, nobody on the team deserves to be wearing this jersey. And that one just kind of broke my heart.
0: I don't even remember that. Maybe I had zoned out by the time he said that. Now, we did ask Johnny also about the fans and kind of how how he could respond to them. And he said, quote, they've always stuck by us and I hope they still do. Even tonight, you still see them there at the end. That's credit to them because it can't be fun for them going through this, end quote. And I, I agree, right? Like we're, we're not having fun. My tweet right after the game was, "This is not fun." When I put out like the or the the article either on Facebook or on on Twitter when I was posting the recap that I had written for the match, it's not fun. But credit to the fans because even though there was some chanting, they would get up when things good would happen, when near misses would happen, they'd still react well. They would still go into other chants. It's not as great as it's been at its peak, but how could it be? Right? The team is so bad, so I, I'm not. I'm not knocking them at all. I, I, you know, encourage them to try to support their team as much as they can. But I understand if you're frustrated and you just aren't up for it. It's a lot of energy to chant for ninety minutes, too.
1: Yeah, it is. I was gonna read you the quote. I had retweeted it from our Twitter account for the Glory KC. It's from Jimmy Mack. And this is what Johnny Russell said. He said it can't be fun for the fans going through this. They're hurting as well. It's not just us in here. They feel it as well. I thank them for continuing to stick with us. Right now, none of us deserve to be wearing the jersey and playing. So that's a pretty telling quote. I mean, it it's really sad. I mean, I feel bad for the players because even if it doesn't appear that they're giving it their all, I'm sure they are. Like nobody likes to lose. Nobody wants to be on a losing team, and that's kind of the downside to sports. Is in every no matter what the sport is, like there's always going to be a team in this situation. Granted, maybe it's a little bit better, but there's always going to be a team in last place, and it sucks when it's your team.
0: Yeah, giving it their all is an interesting line too, because Russell actually said. Something to the effect of the team, it feels like things are going pretty well, we're, we're, we're creating chances, we're doing the things that we're trying to do. And then when that first goal goes in, he said something to the effect of, you can see the guys' heads go down, you can see everybody change out there. And that felt about right. I was saying to Jimmy, who I was sitting next to... That if they can get into the half down one, nothing, you know, maybe there's a chance because against New England, they came out firing in the second half, even after the red card, they were decent. But if they give up a goal, it's going to be over. And then like two minutes later, they gave up a goal. And I was like, he was like, Chad, you jinxed them. I was like, yeah, I know. Just like this podcast's existence has jinxed the team. Oh my right? God, Sheena, I know stop. You-
1: <laughs> this is, I'm not even going to entertain you. It's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. But
0: okay. It's Can I jump in? I got I said... got a fun fact for you. I got okay, okay. You you do your funny thing, and then I'll tell you my fun fact.
1: It's not funny. I was gonna just say before they scored, Montreal scored their second goal. I started to tweet like I just feel like Montreal is gonna score again, and I didn't want to put that bad energy into the Twitter world. So I didn't and then like a few minutes later they scored and I was like, oh, this is like it, it's kind of crazy to me that I keep thinking things and then they happen. So maybe I'm part of the problem is that I'm.
0: Oh, so when I blame us, it's bad. But if you blame no, yourself, it's OK. Me,
1: me individually, this podcast has nothing to do with how they play. Neither does me being able. No, to obviously things. not. Like, it's kind of like how I should go get a lottery ticket with the way I'm able to predict Things that happen in the sporting game.
0: Exactly. I could quit my day job and we could just be dedicated to this, this fun task that we get to do. Oh, so, boy. all right, you know what? I'm going to save my stack. Cause there's one other thing I wanted to bring up after the game. Uh, the guys from paint the wall actually asked about Peter. Hey, what, why not play the kids basically? And he, they specifically asked him about sporting Kansas city two players. And he basically said something to the effect, like you can't, the, the league rules say you can't do it. But I was like wondering, because you'd asked me about that early in the season, and that was my reaction to you. Oh no, not unless there's extreme hardship and there's only like 15 field players left, blah, 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 blah. blah. And then we looked it up and it turns out they had changed the rules last season because of MLS Next Pro. There's this thing called the affiliate short-term agreements and I'm going to read the rule to you. So the rule says, quote, a club may sign a player age 25 or younger the league season from its affiliate, MLS Next Pro, to a maximum of four short-term agreements up to four-day contracts each season, a maximum of 16 days. So 16 days per player. An individual player may be included on up to four four MLS league season match rosters each season. However, that player may appear in no more than two MLS league season matches. An individual player may appear in any number of non-league games. So think US Open Cup, Leagues Cup, stuff like that. A club may roster up to four short-term players uh, so long as they're a homegrown player or they're earning uh, equal to or less the MLS senior minimum salary, $85,444. It goes on and on. But basically, if I'm understanding that right, he can do loans and he could bring guys up to play in two games. Now, maybe he doesn't want to burn through those loans because if he has injuries later in the season, he might actually need those guys to come play games because they don't have enough healthy bodies. But theoretically, an Ethan Bryant, who we talked about on last week's uh, pod, a decent amount, and you all can go back and listen to that, could play two games. Now, two games isn't going to change the season, but it's a trial to see, do I want to give this guy a first team contract? Do I want to bring him up permanently? And I feel like Nothing should be off the table right now. The team is so bad. The team is so bad. Like, do something. It's like, have you seen the meme of the guy with the stick where he's like hitting and then people put different things in there? Like, they could hit the Sporting Kansas City logo with the stick and it's like, do something. That's what I feel like, they just need to do something. Try, try anything.
1: Yeah. At this point. Also, don't you think losing 10 games in a row is a hardship for everyone? So
0: uh, I see I what you know. did there. Uh, hardship uh, just means 15, 15 players.
1: <laughs> okay. Okay.
0: Let me hit you with a stat, Sheena, or are, are you, or you got something else first before we get off of sporting no, and move to something else?
1: I was going to just say, To your point, like, they should be trying anything, and the fact that they're playing the same lineup, even if you take the people off the bench and you have them start and then bring on your typical starters. I was just happy I didn't see Kyrie. People were trying to blame the sporting season on Kyrie. And I was like, dude, he hasn't been in in a while. So uh, just like people try to blame Zussi. And it's like, well, Zussi is out. You can't blame him. Like that doesn't ever, I don't understand that. But yeah, we should be trying everything. To me, it just kind of feels like sometimes Peter Vermees is just testing the water to see what he can get away with. Like, leaving Espinoza in, leaving Rosero and Espinoza on when they both were on yellows. It's just like, I don't know, is he trying to get fired and nothing's happening? And so he just does something and you're just like, why? I also kind of wanted to see what would happen. Like would a third week in a row with um, someone on a yellow turning to a red and playing down man. Would that a have broken some sort of MLS record, and would that have been something to fuel the ownership to make a change? I just, I, I'll never understand why the ownership is still letting him continue doing what he's doing. Even if they're going to keep him, they should be saying, "You need to try something different." Like this is just bonkers. I, I'm so confused.
0: I think they're trusting him to be the soccer expert, but ten games in, no wins. I- you got to You got to do something. Do something. All right. Let me hit you with the stat, Sheena. It feels okay. terrible, right? This team has no wins through 10 games. And you think this may be the worst start in league history. And actually, someone reached out to me and told me that. And I was like, I don't think that's right. I'm pretty sure that there is actually worse starts out there, which is crazy to think. I remember Toronto FC went 0-9 to start a season in like 2012 or something like that i don't okay, know in well, the 10th game worse. if they just got a draw well, oh no, no no that's 0 and nine uh even if they won their 10th game they they'd still have three points so that's a match but i went and i found it in 2019 not that long ago the colorado rapids only had two points through 11 games so sporting will still be ahead of them even after they lose to seattle next weekend on the road they'll still be at three points through 11 games now I didn't go any further than that because sporting only have 10 games. So why go further? But hey, uh, I guess it could be worse, y'all. No, I mean, it still sucks. It's still terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is miserable.
1: I know.
0: You're welcome. All right, one more sporting topic and then we'll take a break. I mentioned it off the top of the show. Dom Dwyer is not signing. We talked about Stephen Afrika signing. He is the number one pick for sporting in the draft this year. He was set to arrive on Friday. I didn't hear or see if he was actually there. I rode up the elevator with Danny Flores, though, who's on the team. So I know Danny was there. He's going to play for SKC, 2 it sounds like. And I'm saying this before that game happens because no one will have heard it before the game happens. I'm not giving away any inside information. The game will be over by the time this is out. But Dwyer is apparently not signing. He told my colleague, Fad Bell that they're looking to go in a different direction. So I don't know if that means like a free is that is the is signing or what's happening, but what what are your thoughts to Dom not signing, Sheena?
1: Well, I've been really invested in Dom Dwyer coming back to Kansas City at first. AKA I was,
0: stalking him on social yeah. media. Is that what you mean?
1: <laughs> yeah. Last week I heard the last episode I was talking about, you know, all the, the Instagram stalking I was doing And I really thought he was going to sign. There was a picture of him that he posted to his stories of him like walking down a street. It was just of his pants and his shoes. And he tagged Kansas City and... I was like this is happening like I was convinced and the more I thought about it the more I was kind of excited about it and then when Chad told me or actually I think I saw on Twitter um, Thad's post about him not signing and that PV said they were going a different direction I was kind of shocked so I'm wondering if they decided like very last minute like I'm wondering if Dom Dwyer thought he was signing too and then something changed I don't know. Obviously, a FIFA is not going to be the solution to all these problems. I'm bummed. I would have liked to have seen Dom come even for just a season. I was joking on Twitter last night, like maybe Dom was the one that said thanks, but no thanks, which would have been hilarious considering he doesn't have another team. Although... I did see on Instagram stories he was at the Orlando Orlando City. He was at that game last night, so who knows? I think he lives in Orlando, though.
0: Yeah, he probably does. I will say I'm not sad about this for some of the same logic. People are bagging on the team for being old, playing guys like Espinosa, Emilia, Zusi. even if I don't think all of those guys are the problem. They have individual parts that are the problem, and let's build for the future. If this season is truly lost, which is just so crazy to say 10 games in, then let a go out there and take some lumps and figure things out and get better by playing. Let some of these other young guys that are on the roster that don't get a ton of minutes get out there and play. I'm not saying put them all out there at once because I think that's a recipe for disaster. But inserting a couple of them into the lineup, I was totally fine with Jake Davis being the right back. He played well in the Tulsa yeah. game in midweek, obviously against lower competition. He's played okay there. I talked to him after the game about how he's worked on right back a little bit when Paolo Nagamura was the coach of SKC too. So he's had some time there, not a ton of time, but some time. And I think that goes towards the future, right? Whether he is the right back of the future, I don't think he is. I think he's probably still much more likely to end up in the midfield. Getting minutes matters, getting minutes helps. And you'll look around the league. Most of the league plays really young guys at their fullback spots. It's very common. So the fact that again, Zussi, I think, has been fine. He's been good even at times. But if the season's going down the tank, it needs to be Pierre. It needs to be Davis. It needs to be somebody else. You can't just keep running the same old guys out. you got to build for the future. Dom would be that same thing. He's 32, like we pointed out last week.
1: Yeah, but again, if you're going to call him old because you grouped him in the same category as... Zeus Millian Espinoza. He's a I few know, years Polito, than yeah, He's the yeah. same age as Polito. So we gotta stop saying he's old because then by that logic, Polito shouldn't be continuing. Neither should Johnny Russell. And not to say maybe maybe they shouldn't maybe be. they will Yeah. Yeah, Polito's out of contract. I think
0: Russell has an option on his contract after this year. I think everybody's job is on the line right now. You know, whether they fire or don't fire me is like this team is gonna be blown up at the end of the year based on how it's going. And until then
1: I don't Think Let's mix, so. it, mix in, in some of these young no. guys. If Vermees stays, you don't think will coach he, up, No, he won't even blow up the lineup based on how the game is going. So no, he's going to leave the same people. Espinoza should retire. Zusi, I'm with you. I don't think he's played awful. He he's not the long term solution, but I would be okay with him coming on for another season and being the backup, like he him and Roger should be this season. But he's been playing fine. But no, Vermees uh, like sticks with what he's comfortable with, which is why he brings the same players back into the system. There's some sort of comfort level and he can't quit people that he, that like he's released. So no, he's not going to blow the team up. But if Polito comes back and he doesn't, improve this season and they sign him to another contract like i don't i will lose it i i literally will lose it he is not playing good he does not deserve to be re-signed at this point and that can all change and when it does change i will admit that he should be re-signed but it, it well,
0: there's there's a lot of games left let's just hope we see a variety of guys out there and it's not just the same yeah. core lineup right i'm okay with let's get Johnice out there let him start a few games let's just try different things, and I'm um, again. I think there's a there's a lot of statistics around if you change your whole lineup from week to week, you're likely to lose. But if you only change a couple of guys, then you're not as likely to take the L. So as we We're get Radoya, anyways,
1: I know exactly, matter? right? Like let's, that's what I, I don't Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. I'm with you.
0: All right, y'all. Okay, let's take a break, and we'll be back after the break with more for the glory, Casey. And we are back, or more accurately, I am back. We're going to do a segment here without Sheena, so we'll see if all of you stop listening. I'm going to talk about KC Current and supporting Kansas City, too. So on Sunday, the KC Current hosted New Jersey, New York, Gotham, and they were able to come away with a 2 to nothing win. Uh, Their starting lineup featured just one change. Mimi Larson started over Michelle Cooper, and Cooper actually came in for her at the half. Uh, a kind of a bit of a surprise, I would say. Cassie Miller remained the starting goalkeeper. After the game, Caroline Hirabloom said that it was a competition every week between those two to see who would be the starting keeper. And for me, if Miller keeps winning, keeps knocking shutouts off of the board here, right? They're not giving up any goals. I don't see why you would take her out of the game. So Good for Miller there, getting this shot, and then you know maybe press AD. She started a little slow this season. Maybe it'll press her to be good because she was fantastic for the stretch run, kind of the middle to the, towards the end of last year. But she also started a little slow, so we'll see how that keeps playing out. The goals on Sunday were scored by Dabinia. Ooh, she looked fantastic. Actually, honestly, she had moments where she wasn't quite right. She would. Miss hit a pass, not wait it right, underhit, overhit, yet she still scored two goals. She's so dang good at soccer that it gives you excitement and it shows why the KC Current are looked at as a potential favorite to win the entire NWSL Cup. They started off really slow with that 0-3 start and things are going well. Gotham is a pretty good team. This, this move shot them up the standings quite a bit by beating Gotham. Despite the 2-0 win, I think KC actually missed a lot of chances in the game. CeCe Kaiser got in on goal multiple times. She's just so fast, and she's so good at timing her run off the back shoulder of the defender. Gotham were playing what felt like kind of a high line, and, and they just kept getting beat over the top. It actually reminded me a lot of watching a Sporting Kansas City game in terms of the ball slipping in behind the defenders, and they're chasing and in a bad spot. Abby Smith, the goalkeeper for Gotham, came up big. She played really well, made a lot of really good saves. Sadly, she made kind of a big gaff on the second goal where she came way outside the box to challenge Michelle Cooper, who crossed the ball into the box, hit the ball to Kaiser. Kaiser kind of took a bad touch, but then Dabinia cleaned it up and put it into an empty net because Smith still wasn't back in net. She was so far out to try to attack Cooper. I I don't know why she kept going. Clearly, she wasn't going to get there, but, hey, a Kansas City soccer team benefited from another team's error. I'll take what I can get. So I think this team probably could have scored five or six goals easily. Beating Gotham, though, 2-0, feels like a pretty solid win. There's a lot of quality players on Gotham, and I'm honestly surprised they didn't do better. They had a few chances, but the defense did a pretty good job of shutting them down, and uh, Cassie Miller played well. So, again, deserving to start. One low-key player that has been in the lineup for these games that I think deserves a little bit of a shout-out is Vanessa DiBernardo. She is, she's is she been kind of playing defensive midfielder. Sometimes Lola Bonta's kind of back there next to her. They appear to be playing, like, two defensive mids in front of that back three. She is so calm on the ball. She is such a good presence. At one point in her career, she was pretty dang good at providing assists, but she has just stepped up the tone of that midfield dramatically. No knock to Alex Loera, who played there a little before, or Chardonnay Curran, both players that are very promising, Loera especially. She was pretty much a contender for Rookie of the Year last year, but DiBernardo is showing her veteran presence. She might not show up on the score sheet and might not pick up assists or goals, but she is a quality player, and I think she has helped the current dramatically. One thing with the current, though, they still are struggling a little bit on defense. It might not look like it when you get a 2-0 shutout, but both Addison, Merrick, and Croix Soto had turnovers where they were the last player back, and they kept dribbling instead of trying to make a pass or clearance or you know play back to your goalkeeper. Bad turnovers that easily could have turned into goals. Both times, other defenders either came through and helped them or Miller bailed them out. So a little bit shaky there, which is kind of what we thought going into the season, that the current may struggle a little bit defensively. Also, Merrick, I really dislike her propensity to go to the, the ground to make a challenge. She slid and made a slide tackle just outside the box and picked up a foul. She was complaining like she didn't make contact, but she absolutely seemed to miss the ball to me and cleared out the Gotham player. I forget who she hit. She did that a couple of times last week in the box and got away with it because she got the ball. I just don't love when center backs go to the ground. I I forget who says it, but there's a famous defender that basically says if you're going to the ground, it's because you're out of position. And if you're positioning yourself well, that's not going to happen. So I'd like to see her stay on her feet, use her body positioning. It feels like it's going to come back to bite the current at some point. I mean, no team is going to keep doing all these shutouts (laughs) three in a row, but it's something uh, to be a little bit of concerned about. That's really everything I had on the KC current. I'm going to switch gears and talk about Sporting Kansas City 2. They had started the season hot, but unfortunately, they hosted Houston Dynamo 2 this weekend, and they managed to lose and lose badly, 4-1. They started the game really well. They scored early. They were up 1-0. They actually have scored early. I think they've scored first in literally all their games, but they found a way to kind of give it away. Not too many minutes later, they gave up a pretty legit goal from the Dynamo there. Then it got a little sketchy. The ref was mediocre at best in this game. He gave out, I think, mostly yellow cards that felt deserving. He was kind of controlling that part of the game. But he gave two penalty kicks to the Dynamo that were both pretty questionable, both against Jahan Rad. Uh, He had a shoulder-to-shoulder challenge in the box that he called a penalty kick for in the first half that was converted. And then in the second half, kind of late in the second half, actually, there was a play where there's definitely contact between the defender and the attacker, But then as soon as like the defender feels rad near him, he just let himself go and fell to the ground. McIntosh picked the ball up. He threw it out to a player. That player was dribbling up the field. And then the ref finally came down and called the penalty much later. There's no video review. So I don't know if his assistant referee got in his ear or whatever the case was, but not handled well. The fourth goal was legitimate. I think basically SKC2 were pushing up the field. They were running themselves ragged and they gave up kind of a a soft counterattack goal. I don't put too much weight on that goal, but 4-1 looks bad. (laughs) So there's no real way around that. I don't think they were as bad as that 4-1 scoreline would indicate. Now, I do want to highlight a few things that stood out to me in the game. First off, Sporting Kansas City sent down some players on loan. They seem to mostly do this at the home games. Cam Duke, Kendall McIntosh, and Ozzy Cisneros all started the game on loan. Cisneros was actually paired with Ethan Bryant, who got a lot of rave reviews last week against Tulsa. Then as substitutes, Danny Flores came on to start the second half at defensive midfielder, and Chris Rindolf played center back really late on after Rad was subbed off, probably because he would it just given up a second penalty kick. It was not a whole lot of time, like 85th minute, give or take. The goal that SKC2 scored was scored by Pal Vidal. He is their Spanish striker. He has now scored in five consecutive games. So he he's five goals all in the last five games. And he was set up beautifully by Sebastian Cruz, you may remember for playing with the first team on loan against Tulsa last week, midweek in the U.S. Open Cup. Cruz lofted a ball over the top of three defenders, fell perfectly to Vidal, who was able to chip the keeper for a really, really nice goal. It's just a shame that they completely and utterly collapsed after that. Another thing that stood out to me in the game was Cam Duke at left back. He's still playing left back. It seems like they were kind of prepping him in case Logan and Dembe didn't come back after they cut Ben's sweat. Duke does not look comfortable at left back. He we saw him get torched against the New England Revolution playing right back in MLS play a week ago. And he wasn't really getting torched, but he was just he was just struggling. He turned the ball over a couple of times on really unforced errors when he wasn't under pressure. Oddly, when he was under pressure, he seemed to play better. Like he would play these quick little tight triangle passes where him and the players would move off of each other really well. But he'd give the ball away. His body language was horrific after he'd give the ball away too. He'd do that whole kind of what Tommy's been doing a lot lately. Make a bad play. You put your head down. You're kind of slumping about it. I'm not sure why they keep playing him at fullback. I just cannot see him playing on the first team at fullback again. We can already see at left back and Dembe and Volader are ahead of him. Obviously, when Tim Leibold gets back, he's going to be ahead of him at right back. Maybe, but I think now he's behind Zussi, Pierre, and Jake Davis. So. Let the kid play midfield or on the wing, see if he can go create and do something. There was a moment in the game where he got way up the field as the left backs often do in this sporting Kansas City system. And he looked pretty promising when he was up moving forward, taking guys on, beating them off the dribble. I want to see that part of his game develop. He's in a contract here. I can't see him coming back with the way Peter chooses to use him or not use him would be a better way to put it. So We'll see what happens. Maybe that's why he didn't sub into the Sporting Kansas City game. And in terms of the result overall, I think SKC, two were a little unlucky in terms of the penalty calls. And then Andrew Draper, he hit the crossbar twice, and he had another really good opportunity that, frankly, he should have probably hit first time. And the ball came to him, took an extra touch, played it past the keeper, but then it was saved off the line by a defender. So he could have easily had three goals by himself <laughs> and so it was a little unlucky that those didn't go in that said houston missed a couple decent chances too so you know maybe the result was fair the penalties just it kind of irks me when the referee inserts himself so much into the game but there is no video assistant referee in usl or i'm sorry in mls next pro so what can you do it is what it is hopefully we're seeing some good development out of these guys time to turn to the digital crawl though y'all Sporting Kansas City uh, got some news this week. They're going to face, speaking of the Houston Dynamo too, they're going to place the Houston Dynamo's first team in the U.S. Open Cup on May the 10th, 7.30 p.m. It's going to be on the road. They do not have a good road record in the U.S. Open Cup, so look forward to them getting bounced out of that tournament if their play continues the way it If is. got to kind of go all chips in at this point on U.S. Open Cup and Leagues Cup, so hopefully they can get something right. Also, other news came out for Sporting Kansas City scheduling-wise. Speaking of the Leagues Cup, they have their times now for both of their Leagues Cup group stage games. On Sunday, July 23rd, they're going to face FC Cincinnati at 6.30 p.m. That game is in Cincinnati. And then they will host the return match against Chivas on July 31st. That's a Monday at 9 p.m. Ugh. Monday. I know that's the summer, so it's not a school night, quote-unquote. But people that have jobs... That, you know, typical Monday through Friday jobs, they're probably not going to make it out to a 9 p.m. game unless they're really dying to see Chivas. Maybe they're hoping to pull out some Chivas fans. Honestly, this feels like this is for the Chivas fans, right? Chivas Guadalajara is on the West Coast. This is 7 p.m. kickoff Pacific time. That's a brutal start time. Switching gears to talk NWSL, the San Diego Wave. They have the new youngest player in NWSL history, Melanie Barcenas. Sorry, Melanie. She's just 15 years old, and she became the youngest player to appear an India BSL game this past Saturday when she they faced the Orlando Pride. They did lose 3-1, to but when she came on, they were already losing, so not Melanie's fault. She uh, replaces Olivia Moultrie, who plays for the Portland Thorns, as the youngest player to ever play. She was the youngest player to ever sign. When she signed, she's on a three-year deal with San Diego, so it'll be interesting to watch her progress. She's played for the U.S. youth national teams before, most recently the U-17s. The, and then all I have left for you is the schedule because I don't I don't know if this will bum you out, but Sheen and I are just like we cannot do two podcasts this week. Sporting Kansas City suck; it's exhausting. We can't put that much more energy into this, so we're gonna just wait unless something crazy happens. Like if Peter Vermees gets fired or something, we'll do a podcast. But uh, don't hold your breath. So let's talk about the schedule for the rest of the week. No previews, but here's the games for this coming weekend. The Kansas City Current are on the road at Angel City. So they'll be in Los Angeles on Sunday, 7 p.m. That'll be the last game of the weekend that's on Paramount+. Plus. Sporting Kansas City also playing on Sunday on the road at the Seattle Sounders. So most of the MLS season pass games are on Saturday night. This game is also going to be on Big Fox. So you can watch this on regular TV. It's also free on MLS season pass. That's at 3.30. So you could watch Sporting lose to Seattle and then hopefully watch the KC Current beat Angel City. I say that now, you know what will happen is Sporting will somehow beat Seattle on the road, which makes zero sense because they're like one of the best teams in the league. No, probably not, but we'll see. And then finally, Sporting Kansas City 2 will be at the San Jose Earthquakes 2, but they're playing on Friday. So quick turnaround for them. They're playing at 9 p.m. That will be on Apple MLS Season Pass. So if you paid for Season Pass, and you're deep in regret because of how the Sporting Kansas City season's going. I know that SKC2 just lost, but they've been pretty exciting to watch. They score goals. There's some young, promising talent on that team, dramatically more than in previous years. I'm looking forward to seeing more of those guys. Hey, you can watch Ethan Bryan. I know a lot of people are excited about him. He started and played all 90 minutes against Houston Dynamo 2, and he was pretty decent. What, what was interesting about the formation choice was it was him and Ozzy Cisneros next to each other, and they're both attacking players. Nobody in there to do that work horseman stuff, the, what Roger Espinoza used to do for the Sporting Kansas City a couple of years ago. Josh Cohn's kind of that guy for SKC, too, but he didn't come on until later on in the second half. But that is everything. If you have listened this long, well, kudos to you. Uh, but I want you to be sure to go ahead and subscribe in case there is an emergency podcast. And you could tell all your Kansas City soccer friends, just search for The Glory KC wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoy the show, be sure to give it a five-star rating and review. The only two ways I know to review it is in spotify on the app and then in apple Podcasts, you can go in there and you can actually write a review and if you'd like we can read your review on the air and uh, you can follow us online on all the social media sites at for the glory KC on instagram facebook and twitter Sheena basically is the one running the twitter so if you want to hear her takes that's a good place to find it or you can email us for the glory casey at gmail.com Follow me on Twitter at play for ninety p l a y f o r nine zero, and here is Christian Leo with ride it like humanity. Take care, everybody.